All right, everybody. This is Billy Ray Mitchell here with the pre-roll for this podcast today. We have a two uh, double dose for you going on this afternoon, this morning, whenever you're listening to it. It is Wednesday, Wednesday October 26th. We are the Sons of Saturday, and we are brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy, your one-stop shop for all you need for pharmaceutical needs, household needs, and some new Sons of Saturday merchandise we have paired up, paired up with Nitlo to do our Center Street Athletics t-shirts. You're going to be able to get those at Main Street Pharmacy, I believe, by next week on Monday. So that will be the uh, – by the first week of November, you should be able to go over down to Main Street Pharmacy and check them out. So head on down and go get them for you. What do we have going on today? So to start our podcast, we interviewed Mike Glennon, former quarterback from NC State, to preview the game, talk about some quarterback play in the ACC. And then we also brought in Evan from the Red White Podcast, which covers NC State Weekly and their football programs. So that is what we have going on right now. Locks of Saturday went up earlier today. You can check that out. Our Athlete of the Week was Grant Basile. Uh, Sorry, I'm going fast. We've got a lot of content that we want you guys to get to get you to and we got plenty of stuff to preview before the nc state game so i'll slow it down a little bit grandpa silly was the athlete of the week we're really fired up about that uh getting ready for basketball season getting ready to turn the page and we do have a very exciting women's basketball preview coming up for you so keep your eyes out for that before i turn it over to mike here really quickly i do want to let you all know students people living in blacksburg new river valley ites Cedar Point Apartments is currently looking to lease out their property. Studio and two-bedroom apartments are available. It is fully furnished. The only thing that you need to bring is your television. Internet, water, and trash are all included in your rent. Now, all you need to do, look, I love Sharkies. $15 gets you really, really far at Sharkies. If you mention Sons and you take a tour of Cedar Point property, you will receive a $15 gift card to Sharkies. Again, as people like to say when they're given those, what are those speeches that people give at graduation, keynote speakers, whatever they always say. If, if you leave this speech with anything, leave with this. If you tour Cedar Point Apartments, you get $15 to Sharkies. If you leave this, this, this intro with any information, that is it. So head on down there and get your gift cards. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Mike Glennon. Beat NC State. Find a way. Thursday night football in Carter-Finley. Let's do it. Here we go. Handing it over. Everybody, it is Tuesday, October 25th. It is game week. We are back after the bye week. Hope everyone enjoyed a Saturday at the pumpkin patch or, you know, chugging <laughs> hot cider. But uh, we got some football to uh, divert our attention back to this week. Coming off four losses in a row, we see the Wolfpack on the horizon. And we are excited to welcome on a former NC State Wolfpack star, Mike Glennon. You may have heard of him. You may have seen him play on Sundays, uh, but Mike played college ball at NC State. He was drafted by the Buccaneers in the third round of the 2013 uh, NFL Draft. Also spent some time with the Bears, Cardinals, Raiders, Jaguars, and New York Giants. 
Mike is a Virginia guy. Uh, he spent some time uh, in the state of Virginia where he won a state championship with Westfield High School, Virginia's uh, 6-3A state champ. He was also Virginia's Gatorade Player of the Year and the number three uh, top quarterback recruit in the nation, according to Rivals, in 2008. 2011 and 2012 for some standout years for Mike at NC State, where we ha- he had 31 touchdowns both of those years and 66 total touchdowns at quarterback at NC State. Mike Glennon, welcome to the Sons of Saturday. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You uh, you read off all the, the good numbers I had. There were some bad numbers in there as well that I'm glad you guys left off. For those of you that don't know, too, the most important – I'm not sure if there's anyone who wouldn't know, but this is Sean Glennon's brother. Um, or Sean is your brother. So we're excited about that, the little connection that we had. Um, so first and foremost, to get into it, I wanted to say um, there aren't enough people doing this on Twitter, and I really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you that don't follow Mike, go ahead and follow him. It's at Mike underscore Glennon. And you do a lot of the quarterback breakdowns, the film breakdowns, which we see from Schefter, all of them from the NFL. There's not enough of this going on in college. So uh, we're always talking about normalize everything, normalize analyzing college film. I need to see some more of that. Um, So I want to start with the game that we have coming up this week. Jack Chambers is stepping in for – has been stepping in for the injured Devin Leary for NC State. Jack Chambers is 5'10", 180 pounds. He's a senior from Lilburn, Georgia. Very small sample size. They let him air it out against Syracuse with 30 attempts for 160 yards. For Virginia Tech fans that may not be familiar with his game, can you tell us a little bit about Jack Chambers and the quarterback situation going on at NC State? Right. So so Virginia Tech fans may be more aware of Devin Leary. So Devin Leary came in as the quarterback. He was the preseason ACC player of the year. Uh, has a huge arm as a guy that can play at the next level. He got hurt against Florida State and in came Jack Chambers. So Jack Chambers – um, is actually a graduate transfer from Charleston Southern. So he was at Charleston Southern last year and was their conference player of the year. So he, he's a solid player, but, I mean, there's a big difference from Charleston Southern competition to ACC. And it, I guess in a way it's similar to Virginia Tech with Grant Wells. You know you get a grad transfer. Now Marshall's bigger than Charleston Southern. But he he's a guy that is better, and I believe he's like 25 years old. Or I don't know, 24, 25. I mean, he's an older guy. Um I think in his sixth year because of COVID, redshirt, and all that. Uh, so he's he's experienced, he's smart, he's mature, but he's he's much more of a runner than Devin Leary. And you saw against Syracuse them have a lot of design runs. It was a lot of screens, a lot of trying to u- utilize his strength, which is running the ball. But they weren't really able to throw the ball down the field. So um, we'll see. They had the bye week off. Um, and, and I will throw in that they did play a true freshman as well, MJ Morris, and he's kind of the guy that they see as the future. So there is a chance that we see both of them on Thursday night, and uh, I would actually expect that. But I'm sure they use this bye week to really focus on two guys, and, and that's those two guys right there. Figure out what they like, figure out what they're good at, and let's evolve this offense around those guys. So for these last five games of the season, you know, let's cater to what these guys' strengths are. And uh, I think that's what we'll see on Thursday night versus Virginia Tech. So flipping it over to Virginia Tech, Grant Wells, I'm interested to, t- to hear your take on his play. Um, personally, I am a, a Grant Wells defender. Uh, do I think that Grant Wells is one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC? The answer is no. But 
given what he has been working with and the situations that he has put in, um, the age old saying that I've been using is he's been making a whole lot of chicken salad out of chicken shit this entire year. Um, but I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about Grant Wells and what you think about his, uh, his growth or time at tech. I would put it the way, the same way you put it. Is he in that upper echelon of the ACC? No, he's not, but it's, he's not bad. He's, um, solid, you know, I don't know what the word is. He's a capable quarterback at this level. No, he's not going to win, take over a game and win it. He doesn't have the greatest arm. He's athletic, but it's almost like he just doesn't have just enough. He can do it all, but it's just not at a, at a really high level. But like you said, th- there's no one around him making plays either. Like He's having to do it all himself. And um, he misses some throws, but he makes some good ones as well. And he makes plays with his feet. Um, and I, it's just so unfamiliar for me to see Virginia Tech this bad around him. Like, th- I, I don't know if there's another team in the ACC that has the lack of playmakers that, that Virginia Tech has. I mean, you even go to Boston College, has Zay Flowers. Virginia has some receivers, but they've had a ton of drops. They haven't worked as good this year. Um, Georgia Tech, maybe. I mean, but just around the ACC, the, the playmakers just aren't there at Virginia Tech. So he's not a quarterback that um, can take over a game. But if he had better plays around him, I think he would prove to be more serviceable than it, than it is appearing. So I'm there with you. He, he, he's not going to be the best quarterback in the ACC, but he's not. he's capable of winning games at Virginia Tech. So zooming out a little bit and looking at the entire ACC, we came into this year saying this was the year of the quarterback in the ACC. We had a bunch of quarterbacks with a lot of tenure under their belts. But the first player I want to talk about is actually the youngster who going into the season, uh, Pat and myself, honestly, were like, you know what's going to happen? This guy, Drake May, he's getting all this buzz and then everyone's going to thrust them into the Heisman conversation. And it's going to last for four weeks. Well, that was pretty dumb of both of us to say because Drake May firmly belongs in the Heisman comp- uh, conversation. He's got 24 touchdowns, only three turnovers. What do you think makes him so special, and how have you seen him progress even in the short time that he's been starting for North Carolina? Yeah, he's a stud, and I don't feel like there's many weaknesses in this game. He's got an elite arm. He's got very good athleticism. He sees the field well, and the thing that kind of um, impressed me – the most is he has this like innate sense uh, of guys around him where the open guy is. He feels blitzers coming off the edge where it doesn't even look like he's seeing them. So he just has a great feel for the game. And, and honestly, uh, probably good for Virginia tech. I think we, you guys might only have them or it's not even divisions anymore. So it's good for the whole ACC. He might only be around for another year. Cause I think this guy has first round top 10. I, I see Justin Herbert. I think he could be that good of a player. Similar size, similar arm arm talent, similar athleticism. Uh, I give you guys benefit that you guys, you know, were out in front. I didn't know. I mean, they were saying it was like a competition, um, which I don't know how this was a competition at all. I, I want to see what the backup is like if this was a, truly a competition. Um, you know, maybe Virginia Tech will be in the market for that backup next year. But, uh, yeah, he he's awesome. He's so much fun to watch. And it, it's just the next great one to come to Carolina. Staying in the Carolinas, Sam Hartman. That guy's been starting at Wake since forever, it seems like. Uh, he's going to leave as the record holder in essentially every statistic you can imagine for a quarterback. I believe he's 200 or 250 yards away from the all-time um, 
yards getter at the quarterback position. What do you think it is about Sam Hartman? Is it, I think a lot of people take for granted the amount of time he's been in one system. And we're going to talk about a couple quarterbacks who struggled moving on with different offensive coordinators. But what it really impresses you about Sam Hartman in the totality of his career? He just seems like he has a knack for making the play. Um, he finds a way to make the play. And I will say, to start off, he does benefit a little from the system. I mean, he has guys wide open. I want to find out how do you stop this just slow mesh thing. Like, seriously, no one has an answer for it. And why do other teams not run it? Um, but he just is great at, at making difficult throws. Uh, because of that slow mesh, he's always dealing with guys in his face, guys hanging on him, and he's still able to make the throw. So, um, and I will say, he's also been there for forever. Like you said, I feel like I've been watching this kid play forever. Uh, so he's been in the system for so long. The more time you're in a system, the more benefit you're going to have. But uh, he just finds a way to win. He just seems like he has that it factor. And, um, you know, Wake is at the place they're at in large part because of Sam Harbor. And then moving on to a little bit of a newcomer, Garrett Schrader, who is the Mississippi State transfer. He's completing nearly 70% of his passes. And everybody was kind of like, okay, this is the year. Babers, you know, probably the last time we're going to see him on Syracuse sidelines. And one can argue he should have beaten Clemson last week and you got a top 25 team in the Syracuse Orange. Uh, how has he been able to really flip everything for Syracuse? Because Syracuse had that one sided attack with a great running back. They had some good wide, wide receivers. What have you seen out of Garrett Schrader? So I didn't watch last year of him, so I'm not really familiar with what went on, um, you know, with the struggles or whatever. I don't even think he really was the starter much last year. Came um, in from Mississippi but now State. I see a guy that's, that's playing well, but he's also really benefited from their offensive coordinator. So Robert and I come from Virginia, and you kind of see what's going on in Virginia with Brennan Armstrong. You've, it's not all Brendan Armstrong's fault, but it's gone downhill. And now you see Garrett Schrader on the rise. So the correlation there, there's got to be something. Um, but he, he's an athletic guy. He throws it well. He doesn't throw it great. But he throws it well enough, and he makes plays outside the pocket. And they do have some playmakers. They got Sean Tucker at running back. They got a Mario Gaston at, at receiver. So he has some guys to work with, and their scheme – he draws up some good plays to create open guys, but but Garrett Schrader is a playmaker. He he can do it all. Uh, as you saw in Clemson, he makes plays with his feet, and he can make the tough throw as well. And, and he seems like he's got some clutch in him. I mean, he, he he's had some come from behind victories, has some big moments, beat Purdue at the end. Virginia was kind of a back and forth game, pulled that out. Um, so I've been impressed with with what he's able to do. And you talk about there was so much hype about these quarterbacks in the preseason the guys that were getting all the hype have actually kind of fallen off. It's the guys that were in that like middle tier, like, like Garrett Schrader, like uh, Jordan Travis, Drake May. I mean, I guess you guys were on it, but wasn't really talked about the guys like Devin Leary, Brendan Armstrong, Tyler Van Dyke. They've kind of fallen. I guess in DJ Uangle, I was a guy that was being written off and for the right reasons. I mean, he, he completely turned it around. Um, so it's, it's a really deep quarterback group. And I think that might magnify Grant Wells. You know, because he's not a bad player, but when you're going against these guys week in and week out, it puts a magnifying glass on the situation. So the last one I wanted to ask you about is, and, and we'll lump these two together, is the regression, like you mentioned, that we saw out of Brennan Armstrong. And I'm also going to throw Tyler Van Dyke in there as well. These are two quarterbacks who going into the season 
are talented quarterbacks, had a coaching change. How much does it affect the quarterback position to completely have, whether it's a new head coach, whether it's a new offensive coordinator? We know you had multiple offensive coordinators in the NFL. So how much of a learning curve is that? And how do you kind of combat that? It definitely plays a role, but I'm surprised it's played as big of a role, particularly for Brendan Armstrong. Tyler Van Dyke's kind of gotten going the past couple of weeks until he had that injury uh, last week against Duke. But for Brendan Armstrong, it just looked completely different. Like last year, I was so impressed with him. He, he, he was doing such a good job going through his reads, playing with anticipation, finding the open guy, accurate, all this stuff. And it's not all on him last year, but it just doesn't seem like it's clicking. And I don't know if it's the offense. Um, you know, they mentioned the culture there. The guys got to buy into the culture and all that. The guys are dropping the ball. I mean, I don't know what drop passes have to do with buying into culture unless you want them on the jug machine like all day. Um, so it, it does play a role, but um, I, I have been surprised at, at the drop-off that is created because and you talk about the NFL, the NFL is kind of everyone runs a similar system. And um, college, I do understand, like, Brendan Armstrong is a senior. Are they really going to cater the offense around him when they only got him for one year? Tyron and Dice, a freshman, so you can kind of go back and forth with, okay, well, Tyler Van Dykes are going to be our quarterback for the next few years. Maybe we do need to cater around him. Or you could say, well, let's just do what Brennan does for one one more year, and then we'll kind of switch after that. So I, I don't know the exact way you handle that situation, but uh, it hasn't been as smooth for either of those guys. So turning our attention over to the Wolfpack, NC State – you, you, you think about NC State, you think about quarterbacks and NFL quarterbacks. From the vantage point of Mike Glennon, why is NC State QBU? You know, I, I don't know. It's um, I'm proud of it. It's a cool thing to be part of. I don't, I don't know the answer because we don't really recruit at a high level like other people. Um, you know, you go down the line of Phillip Rivers. I think he was like a two-star at Alabama. Russell Wilson was a two-star out of Richmond. Then it was myself who went there, partly because I didn't think that they had a quarterback, even though Russell was only a year ahead of me. Um, I went there because they ran a pro-style offense. Um, Jacoby Brissett transfers in from Florida. after He was benched for uh, Jeff Driscoll, who also is an NFL quarterback, but obviously you can argue that Jacoby's a better one. Uh, Ryan Finley transfers in from Boise State. And then Devin Leary was recruited out of uh, New Jersey. But I don't have a, have a great answer other than I think the ACC is a good uh, middle ground to play. Um, you look at the SEC, some of those quarterbacks play early, and it is so tough. The defenses you're going against are like NFL defenses every week. I think you can kill your confidence a little bit, where the ACC is kind of a sweet spot, where you're playing against good competition. It's not quite that good as the SEC. So you can have some success. You can develop. Um, so I – Someone told me a statistic a few years ago that the ACC quarterbacks have a, have a better pro career than almost every other conference. It was just kind of interesting um, because we're not quite the conference that, that SEC is or you could you know, maybe argue some of the others. But I, I think it's just a sweet spot. So I don't know why NC State in particular. And, and it's kind of sad as an NC State fan that we've had a, essentially an NFL quarterback for the past two decades and we still haven't even gotten to an ACC championship. Um, so it's like, if, if we're not going to do it with, with probably two possible hall of famers, I mean, Philip Rivers should go to the hall of fame. Russell probably will as well. I mean, our best year with Russell is like 
you know, one year we didn't even go to the bowl game with Russell. So it's, uh, they can be a little disheartening as an NC State fan when you look at that perspective. So for those Hokie fans that are visiting Raleigh for the first time, uh, what are some must-dos when you're in, when you're in Raleigh? Must-dos, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's not really super touristy. It's like a really great place to live. Mm. Um, man, put me on the spot with that one. I should have a better answer for it since I've lived here for so long. We can go downtown. There's some good restaurants, some good breweries. There's a lot of breweries around here. Uh, there's some good golf. I mean, if there's good golf in Raleigh, but if you want to make a trip out of it, go to Pinehurst. It's about an hour away. Um, they're giving bad answers here. I, I, I don't know. You go to the Angus Barn is a, a kind of a staple restaurant. But really, why should just, someone move? How about why should somebody move to Raleigh? There's a better why one. Why should we got a lot, got a lot of people here looking for homes? Why there is a lot of people. Here. There's a lot of people coming from down from Northern Virginia down here. Uh, it's a great place to raise a family. It's uh, it's cheaper than, than North Virginia, less traffic. You're two hours from the beach. You're about two and a half, three hours from the mountains. Um, you got all the universities. So you don't have the first sports town. You got Carolina Hurricanes, but you got Duke, NC State, Carolina, all within here. Um, it's just an up-and-coming area. It's very new, a lot of new stuff going up, new restaurants, um, new you know buildings and all that. So. You know, come down to the south a little bit. It's a little warmer. You don't have quite the snow. You get, you know, it's like the perfect. You get like one snow a year where you can get your sledding in, but then that's it. You don't have to worry about shoveling, you know, all, all the time and all that. So, it, so it's a good, uh, it's a good spot to live. Carolina's best climate in the United States of America. I'll stand by it. Oh, <laughs> no, there's some places out west. The humidity is not quite as bad. But the taxes are a little better here. <laughs> there you go so mike um i'm excited because this is my first time i'll ever experience carter finley stadium and you know tech and nc state they're very similar football programs and very similar universities but we really don't have the luxury of playing each other very frequently what is the atmosphere like at carter finley at night and uh, on top of that what were some of your favorite road environments to play in uh, in college as a player? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do agree that I think Virginia Tech fan bases, Virginia Tech and NC State have very similar fan bases, probably the agriculture side of it, um, kind of the blue collar aspect of it. Um, and Carter Finley is a great environment. I grew up obviously going to the Virginia Tech games, you know, here in Enter Sandman, uh, being there on Thursday night games. I'll give Virginia Tech credit. They, they, have NC State beat, but it's close. I mean, Carter Finley, a little smaller. Um, it's a little, uh, it's got a different, more of a bowl to it, but it's going to be a really good environment. NC State fans are in, into it. It's a great tailgating scene. We have really big parking lots. So the, the, the um, stadium is not on campus. So it's away from campus. So there's tons of parking and the camp fairgrounds right there, which the fair just ended. Um, but you, you'll enjoy it. It's a good atmosphere. Uh, I would rank them. I would say of all the stadiums I played in, Virginia Tech's one. And actually, when I played there, it wasn't the best environment. I, I just I know it is. Enter Sandman is unlike other any other. I would put Clemson at two, uh, with Enter Sandman being a much better entrance than running downhill. This guy's play, honest. This guy's honest. I, I would put NC State at three. Carter Finley is a underrated uh, environment. Where people win the ACC, I 
so many teammates that I played with in the NFL that would come up to me and be like, man, your stadium is great. Like, I wasn't expecting that. And at four, I played two times during noon games. I'd put Florida State. Um, and I, but I would say I'd put them throwing the spear in the ground, even ahead of running down the hill. I'd put Lane Stadium's one all across the board, environment and entrance. Um, so you guys, you guys definitely take home the trophy on that one. Struggling to find the mute button. Okay. <laughs> Love that. So, Mike, um, I know that in the NFL you played against the Bills. We're going to pay the Bills right now with a little ad read off here. Um, so, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So, tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up, same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a stepped up, same game parlay today with payouts bigger than ever. DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. I've already talked about this ad nauseum. The Charlotte Hornets, somehow they won over the weekend. I know that that program is in the... uh, in the dumpster right now, but uh, I will be checking out the lines over the next week for the Charlotte Hornets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code SOS. Any $5 bet this week gets you $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with SOS promo code. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, so... In the spirit of score predictions and gambling, uh, Mike, we got a couple over-unders for you. All right. Now, I know uh, I know it's not legal in the state of North Carolina yet, so uh, we might have to table these uh, or, you know, you'll have to put a text into Sean and he'll make the bets for you up in Virginia. But, um, so we got <laughs> we got a NC State sacks three and a half over or under. What's the NC State defensive line looking like? Uh, against our Virginia Tech front? I'm going to go under. NC State's done a really good job of pressuring the quarterback, but they don't have a lot of sacks on this season. I don't, I don't know what that whole number is, but um, I would expect it to be under three and a half. That's a lot. Virginia Tech's off his line, not bad. We had a rough afternoon against Miami. I think they sacked us six times. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, But the pass pro has been very, very much – Jekyll and Hyde. I think uh, like prior to the Miami game, it was like maybe one, two sacks a game, and then we just imploded. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, the next one total points scored for Virginia Tech 16 and a half over or under. We'll go under again. Uh, NC State's got a really good defense, and what they've done in the past is they've tried to slow the game down and run the ball on offense and kind of just let the defense win it. So I think it could be relatively quick game with the number of snaps. And uh, I think NC State's even is going to hold them under that. Was 16 and a half, you said? 16 and a half, yep. It's not fun betting yeah. unders. But. <laughs> well, uh, we got one more for you. Malachi Thomas, running back for Virginia Tech, all-purpose yards, 90, over or under. Under again, NC State's got a really good run defense, so I think it's going to be hard, hard for them to run the ball. So, so boring, not, not going to be fun to watch, but you can hedge, kind of hedge your happiness as a, as a Hokie fan, I guess. So all of that said, 
heading over to ESPN. ESPN gives the Hokies a nine and a half percent chance to win a Carter Finley on Thursday night. The Hokies are 13 and a half point underdogs and the over under is set at 40 points. Mike, do you have a score prediction for us for this football game? Man, over under 40 points. That's not, that's not a good sign for either team's offense. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. No, I'm going to go even under it. I'm going to go 24 to 10. 24 to 10. NC State, I'm assuming, wins on NC Thursday State. night against the Hokies for that. That would mark five losses. Pat, have have the Hokies lost five games in a row in your lifetime? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I hope not, and I hope they never do, but I guess we'll find out this <laughs> we week. We will find out on <laughs> Thursday. Uh, yeah, to, to wrap us up here, we got two more. We got rapid fire and then one uh, letter from the lunch pail. Um, rapid fire questions. Who is your Heisman front runner? Uh, I go with C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud over Hendon Hooker. Why? I think he's a better player. I think down the stretch. Um, I don't know if Tennessee will keep it going the way that they have. So I okay. think C.J. Stroud is going to not walk away with it, but he, he'll continue to produce. I think Hendon Hooker might fall off at some point. Who is your best college quarterback of all time? Ooh. That's time. The first person that popped in my head was Tim Tebow. Yep. Uh, I mean, he just did it all. One one national championships could do it all. Uh, yeah, that's the first person popped in my mind. And what is your uh, favorite football memory at any level? Favorite football memory would probably be um, my senior year. We beat Florida State at home. It was a Saturday night game. They were number three in the country. And I threw a touchdown with about 15 seconds left. And uh, Sean actually stormed the field. Uh, so so some good pictures, some good memories. And we had a bye the next week. So the night was awesome. <laughs> we didn't have to yeah. get up. And uh, we, had, we had a good time. So I think we just put that picture on it. Is that this picture right here? That's it, yeah. yeah. That's an all-timer. We just put that on the gram. Awesome. Um. Can you so a uh, two fast food questions for you? Can you power rank Big Burger? So your favorite hamburger from fast food restaurants? We're talking like Five Guys doesn't count. That's not for all. Uh, everybody always gives that answer. Five Guys is not fast food. You go in there, you stand in line. Yeah, you know. Big so the, when you ask that, the other night it was kind of a long day with the kids, and we're like, you know what? Let's just get a McDonald's. We'll get them Happy Meals. Like, let's just get this night over with. So I'm standing in line and drive through. I was planning on going somewhere else, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna treat myself. I'm gonna get myself a Big Mac and a Coke. And I was greatly disappointed. There was like no meat on the thing. Mm. So Big Mac would not be up there. So I guess I gotta go Whopper. I mean, I haven't had a Whopper in a long time. Yes. But I'll, I'll go with a Whopper. Yes. I get so much crap. Burger King makes the best hamburgers. I don't really particularly think that it's very close. I'm happy to – you never go to I, – I, here's what I will say. You never go to McDonald's and then after you eat it, you're like, wow, that was exactly what I should have done. I feel so much yeah. better now than I did before. Uh, go ahead, Pat. <clears throat> and then uh, we're moving over to the chicken side of things. Chick-fil-A, Zaxby's, or Popeye's, what are the power rankings? <sighs> so we got to throw KFC in there too. I'll go Chick-fil-A, Zaxby's, Popeye's, and KFC. But if I'm going for wings, if I'm in the mood for wings, 
I would, I would go, I mean, obviously Chick-fil-A doesn't have them, but I would go Zaxby's. The big one in like the NFL people talk, because it's not in, on the East Coast really, it's like Canes, which mm-hmm. when I was in Arizona, I had it. Canes is good. I guess North Carolina's Bojangles. I like Cook it. Out. I'm not as crazy about it as some North Carolina people. Um, but I, I'll go Chick-fil-A. Just a staple. Wingstop is uh, sneaky, too, if you're looking for wings, too. Wingstop is good for wings. <laughs> and then uh, our very last question here, Mike, letters from the lunch pail, uh, questions that we get from Twitter. Austin Cowan says, can you ask Mike about if it weren't for Tyrod, would he have gone to tech like his brother? Also, would love to hear about how Mike and Sean perceived the Hokies growing up in Northern Virginia. Um. So I'll, I'll answer it backwards. So we moved to Virginia when I was 10 years old. Sean was a freshman in high school. So we didn't really grow up um, with, you know, the Virginia background. And then by that point, you know, only about two years later, Sean was being recruited by, by Virginia Tech. So naturally I became a fan, but we weren't, we didn't really have a school. My my parents didn't go to a big university with, with the sports team. Um, actually, if anything, we were probably, I wouldn't even say Duke football fans, but my uncle played football at Duke, so we pulled for Duke basketball. For some reason, I was a Michigan fan. Um, so I, there wasn't really a big allegiance to Virginia Tech, and no, I would not have gone to Virginia Tech even if it weren't for Tyrod. Obviously, Sean had some great success winning ACC championships there and all of that, but the offense didn't suit him as well, and I knew I wanted to go play in a pro-style offense, which – my the coaching staff at NC State had just come from Boston College and coached Matt Ryan and had a history of putting quarterbacks in the NFL. So uh, if it weren't for Tyrod, I would not have gone there. But I will say, if I was not a football player and didn't have any offers to play football, I think I would have gone to Virginia Tech as a student. Um, awesome school. I mean, it, it just seems like a great place to go. So I guess one answer is no. Another answer is yeah, maybe in, in another universe, I, I would have been a Hokie. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much for your time. This is uh, to close us out. Where can uh, people find you, follow you, and uh, find more content from Mike Glennon? Yeah, Mike underscore Glennon. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, hopefully, I'll, I guess, maybe see you guys on uh, on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Both of you. Yep. Yeah, I'll be down there. And we'll, uh, we'll do this again yeah. soon. But again, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Yeah. See you guys. All right, everybody. It is game day eve. I don't even, if it's nighttime, but it's not, I don't know, it's not nighttime, but we're going to call it game day eve. We play NC State tomorrow night at Carter-Finley Stadium, 7.30 kick. And uh, today we are excited to welcome on Evan from the Red and White podcast, a podcast that covers NC State athletics. So uh, Evan, welcome to the show. Uh, would love to hear just a little bit about the Red and White podcast, how long y'all been doing it, and um, you know anything else that uh, we should learn about you guys. Well, I appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having me. Uh, we've been doing the pod for six years, maybe seven years now. I can't keep track. Uh, it just came from a conversation in a tailgate parking lot that, you know, we just wanted to, we wanted to talk NC State. Uh, we felt like there wasn't enough people giving it a fair shot. I think uh, state fans and maybe Virginia Tech fans can relate to this, but the ACC media doesn't do us any justice. So, you know, that was how that started. And, you know, we try to give it from a fan's perspective. We're honest. We always give, you know, we're not going to give any BS answers. So that's that's our angle. Awesome. So real quick, before we dive into the self-scout, I want to talk a little bit about Dave Doran. 
He's been on the hot seat before. He's been ACC Coach of the Year buzz before. Uh, last few seasons has done well. I was on track, in my opinion, to have a great year this year, which was kind of derailed by the injury of the uh, starting quarterback. So what is your report card and your outlook and the relationship with NC State fans and Dave Doran right now? Oh, man. So you're starting off with a big question. <laughs> they, I, I just, you know, I think a lot of people are happy. The general consensus is they're happy with what he has done to elevate the floor of the program. Right. The last few years, we've won nine games. We've been competitive in most of those most of those seasons. Right. We've had chances to win 10 games. Uh, we had the one down year, whatever it happens. But I think that's kind of that's kind of where people are right now. It's they they're happy that he's done well, right? We're winning eight, nine games every year. But the question is like, why haven't we gotten that tenth win? Or why can't we get over the hump? Or, you know, for whatever reason, it always seems to be something, right? And I think currently, yeah, Devin Leary got hurt, but you know, the bigger problem was is the offense wasn't performing with him in there. Right, we're 90th in efficiency and 70 71st in explosiveness, or maybe I got those backwards. But the point is that they've not been good on offense, and that is that needs to be corrected. Right, that that's one of those things that state fans are like, well, why can't we be more dynamic on offense? Right, we play this type of football that is that'll get you nine wins, but will it get you over the hump? We we're yet to see, and I think that's kind of where we're conflicted with. Um, you know, what he's done. And it's not necessarily him, but maybe, you know, his the offensive philosophy or the offensive coordinator or, you know, whatever, whatever they're trying to do. The NC State offense is how he's referred to it in the past. I, I, I don't know, man. It's like it's one of those yeah, you're kind of happy, but you kind of feel like you can get a little more out of it. This is supposed to be a special season, right? And and we came out and they were winning the first couple of games, but they didn't play anybody. And then just offensively, it's just been just been a grind. And every offensive series felt like it was pulling teeth. And that just shouldn't shouldn't be how it is when you're you know you run a Heisman campaign for your quarterback. Right? It was before the season they were talking about Devin Leary for Heisman, and you come out and you're playing ball control, slow, methodical, screen pass heavy. Like I, I don't know, man. It's just. It's I'm conflicted on on where I stand right now. I, I like what he's done, but at the same time, I wish he would just completely overhaul the offensive philosophy. I mean, it's it's been holding us back. I'm pretty confident in that. So let's talk a little bit about do a little self scouting here. Our self scout is brought to you by First of Maine. When you get to Blacksburg, first thing you need to do: head on down to First of Maine, eat, play, shop, whatever you need to do. They have you covered. And we have you covered here with the previews. So previewing the offensive side of the ball for Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech comes into this game averaging 19.4 points per game ugh, and 321 yards per game. Uh, Virginia Tech is coming off of maybe the best half of football from both sides that we've seen all year versus Miami. Um, I believe uh, scored 14 points in the second half, only gave up three, uh, but it was little too little too late. Virginia Tech is not going to win games by lining up the scoreboard, but the offense can keep you in the game if you limit the turnovers and have extended drives. What can you tell us about the Wolfpack on offense? <laughs> that very, sounds very familiar, right? I mean, it's very similar to us is that like they should be better than they are. Like, I, I know Virginia Tech's you know, rebuilding the program and you know, it's Brent Price first year and all that, like, but this Dave's 10th year, 
this was supposed to be a special season. And it's been 10 already. Just, wow. Yeah, it's been 10, right? And it's just not it's just not what we thought it was going to be. They're, they don't play with tempo. They're going to throw a lot of screen passes, a lot of behind the sticks passes. They don't work the middle of the field. And now that Devin Leary's out, you had Jack Chambers in there, and he's more of a, you know, from – I assume it's Jack Chambers, right? They might play the freshman, MJ Morris. I doubt it. They might play him a little bit, work him in. But Jack Chambers is probably going to start. And he came, He comes from the FCFs level where they ran a you know spread option kind of game, and they'll, they'll lean on him to maybe run a little bit more with the RPOs, but – I don't expect them to suddenly become explosive, right? I just people are people are talking about. Well, yeah, we had the bye week, and we're going to come out and we're going to do something different. We're going to, you know, I I just don't I don't see it, right? They're not going to overhaul the offense in two weeks just because of Jack Chambers. Now they might lean into his legs a little bit more because he's a good runner, and but I I, I think you're going to see a lot of the same things we had: a lot of screen passes, a lot of uh, swing passes behind the line stuff behind the sticks um, just just like Virginia Tech methodical drives is not going to be explosive we're not going to throw it over the top we just we have it all year so I don't expect them to do that now I think it's going to be whatever the under is in this game I hadn't seen it yet I was about to say. take the under mm-hmm. yep I was take about to say that under. a lot of people are headed it. over their uh, DraftKings app and and hitting that hitting that under um, <laughs> looking looking at the absolutely. defensive absolutely. side of the ball Virginia Tech has been very Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, we've had bright spots like the Boston College game, second half of Miami, three quarters versus Old Dominion. On the flip side, uh, we've had games like North Carolina, who um, when Drake May is potentially in New York, getting ready to um, be nominated as a Heisman Mom. Trophy candidate. Uh, he's going to have a lot of highlights from that game on there. Uh, the Pittsburgh game, we had record breakers where we were just, we were just outmatched. The Abanacanda game, which everybody will remember uh, forever, and Pittsburgh folks will remember forever. Um, I do think the changes that we made in the secondary last week uh, with the two youngsters com- coming in and Mansour uh, D-Lane and Cam Johnson uh, taking over those cornerback spots is going to help a lot. I'm hoping this extra week has given us a chance to reset and change the things that we need to change. But look, I mean, Evan, I don't mean to sound like a group of deplorables here. I just have no idea what to expect <laughs> from, from, from our team at all. And I don't think you know what to expect from yours either. Uh, you know, on the flip side of my complaining about the offense, I do know what to expect from the defense. They are they are strong. They are going to make plays. I, I know we're hurt. Um, we've had some guys leave the Syracuse game. Injured, although Dave came out and said, "Well, we're healthier than we were in the in the second half of the Syracuse game." For whatever that means, I mean, he's just very coy about injuries, but I f- the defense is good, man. Defense has been what's held us together all year. And Dave said it in the second half of the or at halftime of the Syracuse game, and everybody like did a double take. He said, "Well, we're gonna have to score on defense." Like, what coach has ever said that at halftime? Like, it's just. That's how much you're leaning into this defense. The defense needs to make plays. They're very good at stopping the run. They're going to make plays in the secondary. You know, they should have had two picks versus Clemson. They had a couple opportunities against Syracuse. The the defense is there, right? They're they're strong up front. Um, they're not going to sack you a ton. They're going to get pressure. They're going to you know bring the linebackers um, running a three three five. It's 
predicated on turnovers, right? Predicated on being disruptive. It's the the anti NC State offense, right? They they're going to try to be explosive. They're going to try to make plays, which you know Dave always talks about complementary football. It's the exact opposite of our offense. So I don't understand exactly what we're going, what's going on there. But the defense is legit. The defense is going to um, they're going to continue to cause problems for teams, and they're going to continue to keep us in games. I mean, they're only giving up sixteen points a game average in the ACC. Like they are, they're strong. And I think they're second behind Syracuse or ahead of Clemson in, in total defense. Um, it's the one thing that we've got going for them going right now. Uh, their defense is really, really good. So Billy kind of talked about this, but you guys are doing the things that we're not doing um, on the defensive side of the ball. We have not been able to force what seems like any turnovers this year. And right. You know, as an ACC fan, Evan, Virginia Tech football is known for forcing turnovers and being a threat to score on defense, and we have not been able to do that at all. And a lot of that is due to our pass rush being pretty much non-existent lately. We had a strong start to start the year against uh, Boston College and Lane, and then it's been pretty much downhill. And um, that Boston College O-line is... You know, the, the closest thing to what I can get in the after the Boston uh, College game, game I thought after the Boston College game, I was like, this defense is going to break records. I mean, we're sacking Philadelphia <laughs> over six or seven times. We had a pick six in the third, uh, second or third quarter. I was like, man, this defense is looking pretty damn good. Yeah, didn't happen. Also, Evan, we give up if uh, if you guys are in a third and long, or if you're in a fourth and short you're going to get the first down. Like that's uh, that's what we've kind of been accustomed to here is uh, giving up those short yardage fourth down or, uh, you know, third and I think last week it was like a third and 26 and uh, you know, Tyler Van Dyke threaded it into um, to Will Mallory for the first down. So we, uh, if we could see a turn there, a little bit of a uh, little bit of resiliency from the defense. I know Monsoor Delane being a starter is a, a big thing for the fan base, at least. And I think that'll translate to the field as well. And then um, talking special teams, Virginia Tech, for the most part, offensively, we'll say offensively on special teams. So, you know, when it's fourth and whatever and we need to kick or when it's fourth and whatever and we need to punt, pretty good for the most part. Now, when we are in our um, our punt team on defense has been formidable um, in, in the in the worst possible way. Um, the field position game has not been dominated at all by Virginia Tech special teams unit uh, when we're getting the ball back. So um, that's definitely something to look out for here. Talk to me about special teams over uh, over in Carter Finley. How are you guys doing this year from uh, from a kicking aspect, from a punting aspect? Anything that you know um, glares off the screen? Well, I want to go back and comment. Your NC State's offense lives in third and long. It's just one of those things we've done all year where we've, you know, thrown short passes behind the sticks, just trying to keep like on schedule, as they say. And what we always tend to do is, all right, third and long, Devin Leary, bail us out. Right. And, and it was even last year, it's kind of becoming more, more evident that they don't have a Mecca Mezzi who was our, you know, third down guy that we just throw jump balls to him. We don't have that guy this year. And that's why the offense has struggled. It's a weird offensive philosophy. So if Virginia tech wants to give us those third and longs, they're going to take them because that's exactly how our offense works. Uh, on the special team side, we have just churned out good punters for whatever that is. Um, 
the the last few years with AJ Cole, Trenton Gill, and um, the new kid whose name is forgetting me at the moment, um, McDonough. Right, they've just been punting really well. Like special teams has just been solid all year. I think Todd Goble has done a fantastic fantastic job. Uh, Chris Dunn has been finally healthy. 14, 14 extra points, 20 or 20 for 20 extra points, 14 for 14 on field goals this year. He's just super reliable, good and bad, right? They were, they lean into that too much, right? And he kicks a lot of field goals, right? And it's just, again, I'm going to complain about the offense again, because that's just what state fans are doing these days. But um, the special teams has just been solid all around. Uh, kick coverage has been good. We haven't broken any kick returns, but, <clears throat> or punt returns, but Thayer Thomas can, is likely to do that at any chance, right? And Julian Gray has got the speed to do that on the kick returns. So they're there. They're they're extremely well coached. I think Goebbels has done a fantastic job. I don't, and I'm knock on wood, I don't expect them to make uh, many, or to make special teams the, the difference in this game uh, for the worst, right? They're not going to make too many mistakes. They just haven't all year. It's just one of those things that the, um, they're they're just very well uh, well coached. So we're going to do this thing called out to lunch. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that happened in college football over the past week. Out to lunch is brought to you by our friends at Roots Natural Kitchen in Blacksburg. This week, if you use the code Beat State in the app in the Roots app, you can get twenty percent off of your order. Head on down to Roots Natural Kitchen, whether it's in Blacksburg, Charlottesville, Richmond, Pittsburgh, Happy Valley. And the Fairfax location opening up next month. Check it out. Okay, so, Evan, what we do for Roots Natural Kitchen out to lunch is that who was out to lunch? Who was just totally not knowing what they were doing last week? For me, I'm giving out to lunch to Dino Babers for giving the ball to Sean Tucker only five times throughout the entirety of the game yesterday. I think he got two carries in the second half. They were up two scores in the second half. Dino uh, gives to Sean Tucker, who gets five uh, five carries, 54 yards, averages 10.8 yards per carry. They're up two scores, and he gets the ball twice in the second half. Meanwhile, Gary we Schrader. Were all for you. We were like, all rooting really for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone. I, everyone. Yeah. Wants, yeah. I, just I agree with that one, man. It's, it's weird how that game went. I, I feel like. Clemson tried to give Syracuse every chance to win that game, and Syracuse just kept kicking the can down the road. Man, they just that w- that was embarrassing. I, I think Clemson played into what uh, you know Sean Tucker's limited production in the second half. They were not going to let him run anymore. They were going to make Garrett Schrader, Schrader beat you, which he should because I don't think he's any good, uh, and I don't think he can throw the ball. Or he can run, whatever, but he's not going to he's not going to be one of those guys that's going to beat you. I just, that was such a weird, that was such a weird game, but I think in in the end it ended up how it should be. Syracuse is to me still a little bit fraudulent. Um, We're going to talk about, about uh, that. Look. Oh, is these, this is an easy one. The entire Miami football program, eight turnovers yes. against Duke. Like, come on now that I looked at it scored. I was like, holy crap, Duke scored 45 points against Miami. And then I looked at it a little closer. I was like, oh, they got eight extra possessions. Like, it's unbelievable how bad uh, Miami just continues to not 
hold up their end of the bargain of being added to the ACC. And it's just baffling to me when you have that much talent and program, you know, brand power, and they just continue to suck. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So another team that has an unbelievable amount of talent that also sucks. Um, and, you know, we got midterms <laughs> coming up. Okay. This is not a political podcast, but as you see, marijuana is being legalized in many states. Um, some people think that's a good move. Some people think it's not a good move. Now, where marijuana should definitely not, where you should not be smoking the ganj, is in the locker room before a football game. And Jimbo Fisher's team is maybe the most talented team in the SEC. But if I don't know anything about football, I don't know that. Because they're 500. They have sucked every year. They have gotten so much hype every year. They go out and they lose to the South Carolina Fighting Beamers, who, look, I love, are not nearly as talented (laughs) as Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is a fraud. He is a snake oil salesman, uh, and his moment has passed, and Texas A&M will end up having to pay him tens of millions of dollars to not work for them anymore. So that is is my out for lunch. Yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? See that? Texas A&M, and this is—I'm going to bring this back to state because that's what I do. It—it's a perfect example of you have all the talent in the world, and your schemes are just letting you down. Like their offense should not be as bad as it is. And I keep bringing this back to to state is we have now we don't have Texas A&M talent, but you're returning again, Devin Leary, returning you know a bunch of your wide receivers, you're returning everybody in the offensive line except for Icky. You know you have dynamic running backs that they really like and the offense is just plotting you know tim beck is not getting the most out of the offense and it's very you know texas a is a perfect example like you can have all the talent in the world but if you're coaching your system your scheme is not set up to to maximize what you get out of those players then like you're going to be under you're going to underperform it's unbelievable how bad jimbo's offense has been and that I feel like state fans are very – they feel the very same way about, about NC State. And, you know, you just shouldn't be this inept on offense given what you have and the, the tools that you have. All right. Coming from, a, coming from a guy who's been a little bummed out this football season, it's not that bad, Evan. It's not that bad. <laughs> Come on. Wait till Thursday. Wait till Thursday. Um, I'm telling I know you. Pat, I know Pat has to run here, so I'm going to introduce our, our score predictions here. Um to go over the Vegas odds right now, the over-under is set at 39 and a half, and the spread wow. is tech is wow. our dogs by 13 and a half take points. So, yeah, please, please take the under. Pat Finn, before you depart, can you give me a score prediction? I believe this has a chance to be the first time you do not pick the hoax to win this season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as long as I'm going to the game – I got to pick us to win. Also, we're going to win one of these games, okay? Like, Evan, you guys might you guys I've might be on the end here. The blind squirrel has got to find the nut, and the nut might be hanging out in Raleigh, North Carolina tomorrow, okay? So, like I said, Monsoor Delane, you got him starting a corner. This is the game that we force multiple turnovers. Take advantage. <laughs> Virginia Tech wins 17-14 in Carter Finley. 17-14. That would hit the under as well. I'm actually going 17-10 to 10 Wolfpack. 
Uh, this is probably my first time, and this is my first time in a lot of games not picking us, uh, not picking us to win. But I'm hoping tell, maybe some reverse Evan, osmosis. You can tell maybe what kind of fans we are, Evan. Yeah, oh, bro, maybe, I, I, understand, I understand the pain. I, I do. I, I, trust me, I understand the pain. But I, I understand the optimism too. I did the same thing every year. I'm like, yeah, we can, there's no reason we can't win this game. I get it. Oh, so yeah. reverse well, I'm gonna hop off, from, uh, Evan. I'm gonna hop off, Evan. We'll uh, we'll coordinate something tomorrow at the tailgate. Sounds good. I, I'm gonna go so, 24, 24 10. Uh, I think State wins. I think it's ugly. It's gonna be a lot of rushing again. Take the under. Under thirty seven seems like seems like a no brainer. You know, mm. if Virginia Tech's gonna turn it over, which they have been all year, I feel pretty good. State doesn't do stupid stuff like that. Right. Like I said, the special teams are well coached. The, they're not going to come out and turn the ball over a ton of times, uh, even if they let Jack Chambers throw it. Uh, I just think they're going to bore you to death, and that's what's going to happen. They're just going to try to grind it out. It'll be a limited possession game. Just I don't expect much uh, excitement here. Um, wrapping up here, we have some NC State fandom questions, uh, sort it. of rapid fire. So here's what we got. Um, this one's fun. What is the what are a few of the biggest what ifs in NC State fandom history? Oh shit. Um sorry. Um it is okay. I'd probably have the same reaction if you asked me. <laughs> like I could I get like TA McClendon, TA was in, right? It's like one of the biggest ones. Why um, you know, Phillip Rivers, why does Chuck him out sneak Phillip Rivers? three times on the goal line when you have T.A. McLendon at Ohio State, right? He could have been the first team to non-conference team to beat Ohio State in like 40 years, whatever that number was. It was absurd. We did uh, it for Brian you. Underwood. Yeah, yeah, right? There you go. <laughs> Brian Underwood, um, you know, he, was, he wasn't out of bounds in the kick return. The video evidence clearly shows it. Uh, Bam Bar's kick in 26, 2016. Like he could have beat Clemson and likely the Syracuse doesn't beat Clemson. Clemson doesn't go win national title. Maybe that derails the program just a little bit. They go on to win, win the natty and just become a juggernaut. Uh, Emeka Mezzi's fumble wake force in the goal line. They don't have a goal line camera. Like, come on ACC. What are you doing? There's no pylon cam there. He was clearly in and that would have been 10 wins for state. Probably been a, you know, new year six game. It could have, change tra- tra- trajectory a little bit there uh jamie newman again those 2017 wake forest game they're down two quarterbacks they bring in this unknown jamie newman comes in and just lights us up you're like just god i could go on forever there's so many of these things uh state has been close a lot of times and just not been able to get out of their own way uh you know the going all the way back to Phillip Rivers years, right? His last year, the offense was unbelievable. The next year, the defense is unbelievable. If those two could overlap, right? You have Mario Williams the year after you have Phillip Rivers. <laughs> Come on, man. It's so close. They're so that was they were so close to being really good though if those years overlap just a little bit, you know. So there's a lot of what ifs for for NC State. Um yeah, can go on forever. So I actually not to uh, not to boost you all up here, but obviously, you know, on the grit on the grit rankings in the state of North Carolina, 
I have NC State and App State at the top of the food chain when it comes to just tough programs, not preening, not powder blue. I love that about you guys. I think there are a lot of uh, similarities between the Virginia Tech fan base, the Virginia Tech culture, and NC State. Um, So I'm curious, what would you say are your top three football rivals? Um, It's kind of something that's been hard to define for schools like North Carolina, Schools like Virginia Tech, who's losing playing Miami every single year after the ACC schedule change. So I'm curious, who do you view as your three biggest rivals on the football field? You know, I think Virginia Tech and NC State are very similar. Um, I think in programs and culture and fan bases, uh, I just there's there's just so much similarities. You know, Tech school, all those things that are very, um, you know, similar between the, between the two. So yeah, it's 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 a good comp. I think State's biggest rivals are are unquestionably Carolina wake in um, Clemson. I just, it's the textile bowl. Clemson used to be very much, you could have put the three of them together as very similar schools, very similar fan bases, very similar, um, you know, everything about programs. And then Clemson just kind of elevated and they became, their fans became SEC weirdos and just what a whole different, um, the whole different ball game. But I think overall they are, uh, it's those three, and as much as I hate to say it, Carolina, and you said it earlier about Drake May and how good he's been this year, and it just makes me sick that Carolina's offense has been that good with a freshman quarterback when NC State's just just incompetent. And that's, again, that's one of the frustrations with, that state fans have. Um, but, yeah, I'd say those three. And how do you guys view Virginia Tech from the NC State lens? Uh, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I think they're very similar. I think people uh, would very um, people would say they're very comparable for all those reasons I mentioned. I think this year, by knows that they're just they're just not very good. It's kind of a rebuild job. Fuente left them kind of a mess, and so I, I, thinking short term, right? I just you know I, I don't think state fans are very. Um, scared of this Virginia Tech team. I think from a program as a whole, I feel like they're very uh, – a lot of fans feel like they're similar. They feel like they're very close. Um, you know, VT might have more brand pull because of the Vic years and, you know, Beamer ball. But I think at the same time, it's its identity is where state is right now. Like, And i got to hate to say it, hand-in-the-dirt mentality, right? And it's a defensive first – mentality and for both schools that has to change right because it's just 2022 and that's not how football's played anymore so i think we're both kind of going through that same struggle um but anytime you know i know our fans have ever been to virginia tech the the fans have been very hospitable it's been a you know great environment uh, my a lot of my interactions on social media is with virginia tech fans are very uh, engaged in the acc and they're very not uh, arrogant like Clemson fans, right? You know, or like some of these other schools. There's there's not a lot of hatred there. It's a lot of mutual respect, I think. What is the uh do you have a most underappreciated NC State football player? This year or ever? Ever. Oh, oh uh, ever. Underappreciated. That's a tough question. I, I you know, I, 
I kind of come come back to guys like Jacoby Myers. Like he was all ACC and he's actually doing really well in the NFL this year. Yeah. But the those years it was all Kelvin Harmon. Kelvin Harmon got all the attention. Um, you know, you can kind of look back at last year in a Mecca Mezzi and the amount of influence apparently he had on our offense this year, right? There's a couple of them I can kind of go back over the years and think of. Um, that's a tough question. I'd probably I'd, I'd say those two straight off the bat. I mean, there's probably some others okay. that are that I'm forgetting. Um, yeah. And then last one I have for you is we're going to have a lot of Hokies visiting Raleigh this week. Um, what should folks be looking out for? Which they be sure to attend? Places to eat? What is kind of your uh, your checklist for a visiting team to to Raleigh? Yeah, so we just uh, one of our one of our writers put together a, a list of places to go and stuff like that, and I just put it on the website a couple of days ago. Um, so y'all can share that if you if you want. Uh, I know. Um, Amedios is probably the first answer everybody gets. It's just for the history. Food's food's fine. Food's good, but the history there—they have a lot of memorabilia. They have you know pieces of Reynolds Coliseum and just you know, a lot of old pictures, a lot of history there. I think that is um, one of those places that if you're uh, you're an ACC fan, you should probably go and, and just see the the ambiance there and what they have going on. I think that's a that's a really good spot. Um, you know, you, you can't go wrong with anywhere downtown, um, Glenwood South area or, um, you know, just the, the main drag. There's just there's so many good places to go and, the, the you know, go from bar to bar. Um, you know, if you want to barbecue, go to Clyde Cooper's downtown, the hole in the wall. It's probably one of the best to pick. It's all the love, but uh, Clyde Cooper's just Clyde Cooper's is where to go. Um yeah, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with any of the places down there. Um, I'll send you a link of uh, the list of all the stuff. Some of those guys are more in tune to it than I am. I've been, I live, live south of the city for a few years now. Yeah, so check our, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, check our Twitter feed. We'll be sure to have that article out for you all to check out. If you are making it down to Raleigh, be safe, have a ton of fun. Evan, appreciate you jumping on to take us out. Can you just let everyone know where to find you, where to listen to you, and where to uh, read anything you have going on on the website? Yeah, anytime. Uh, Red White Podcast on Twitter is probably where we're most active. Uh, RedWhiteNetwork.com is where we put all of our put all our content, but uh, Twitter's where it's at. Awesome. Appreciate it, Evan. Again, from the Red White Podcast, Virginia Tech, NC State, Thursday night. Somebody's got to win, and somebody's going to win. So whatever's going to happen. Take care, yeah. everybody. Time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know what you're thinking. to you and